All right, good morning. I was just sure the word got out that uh, I was coming to preach at Sunday school and uh, nobody was coming, so I was just going to have a good time anyway. And whoever showed up was, uh, we were fixing to have a good time together, so. All right, this all right right here? Okay, I'll try not to throw it to anybody. All right, I want to turn your attention. I believe that our generation, if you'll take a look at Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 15, I believe what you will find, I'm sorry, verse 8, what you will find there in verse 8, I believe describes today's generation. You cannot help but take a look at this wild crowd that's out there, these uh, this rebellious mama's crowd uh, that's out there and not see that this is describing today's generation. I realize it's describing uh, the children of Israel back then who's rebelling against God, but uh, it also, I believe, describes what we see today in our generation. The way of peace they know not, but isn't that what they're hollering for? Isn't that what they're crying for? I mean, they want to take, they want gun control, they want to take away, they want all the rights, but they want all the rights on their side. They don't want us to have any rights. But yet they're hollering for peace, but they don't know peace. And there is no judgment in their goings. They don't have a clue what's right or wrong. And their paths are crooked. And whosoever goeth therein, God says, shall not know peace. Here just not too long ago, I seen a short video clip. They were having a rally for veterans. And some of the Antifa crowd was there trying to protest the um, rally for the, the veterans. And, of course, you know what the wolves do. They pick on the weak. And so there was a, they surrounded a, they surrounded a veteran in a wheelchair and they started mobbing on this veteran in a wheelchair. That's what this crowd's about. There is no peace. There is no judgment with them. Their paths are crooked. And they're going to pick upon the weak. I want you to notice something in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 18. The Bible says, Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Doesn't that sound to me, uh, does that sound to you like it, the Bible's telling us that it's wrong to judge? Title of the message this morning Judge to know good and evil. Judge to know good and evil. Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. That sounds to me like we're supposed to make a judgment. We're supposed to judge. If you go back and take a look at, at uh, some of our uh, uh, Scripture in our text, it says, none, in verse 4, it says, None calleth for justice, nor any pleadeth for truth. Well, you can't know truth unless first you call for justice. And of course, then we read in there in verse 8, it says, There is no judgment in their goings. In verse 9, it says, Therefore is judgment far from us, neither does justice overtake us. In verse 11, we look for judgment, but there is none. We go back to verse 14 and it says, And judgment is turned away backward, and justice standeth afar off. And it displeased the Lord, it says. It displeased Him, in verse 15, that there was no judgment. I believe that we ought to judge. 
The Bible teaches us that we ought to judge. There's no other way to know right from wrong, good from evil, the holy from uh, the profane. There's no way to know that unless we judge. In Psalm 37.30, the Bible says this, The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom, and his tongue talketh of judgment. So the Bible tells us that a righteous man will speak of judgment. Now, if you've got a righteous preacher, a man that's right with God, a man that preaches the Word of God, he's going to speak of judgment. And if he does not speak of judgment, he's not right with God. Now, don't make me jump up and down there and shout amen to myself, because I'll get wore out pretty quick. But you know what they call that today? They say we're a bunch of hate preachers. I ain't changed my preaching in over 35 years. I don't plan to change it. In the next 35 years, Lord willing, I get to preach that long. I ain't changing it. I don't care what the rest of the old IFB does. I ain't changing my preaching none. I'm sticking with God. I'm preaching the Word of God. And they can call me a hate preacher if they want to. But there's some hate things that, there's some things that we ought to hate. Amen. And if we're a righteous preacher, if we're preaching the Word of God, we ought to speak of judgment and we ought to judge right from wrong. They ain't a preacher worth his salt. If he ain't teaching his preacher or his his people, they ain't a preacher worth his salt if he ain't teaching his people to judge. Every preacher, every pastor ought to be teaching his people to judge. That way they can discern between the good and the evil. Because I'm telling you, we have lost our discernment today. We are allowing, uh, God help. We are allowing the the evil of the world to come right into the church, and we're just opening our arms and loving them right on in. Huh? Am I right? Here's here, hey, let, let, let me help you here this morning. Here's what here's what we used to do. Uh, the church used to be clear over here. You've probably seen this illustration before. The church used to be clear over here and the world over there. But here's the problem. As the world moved over there, the church moved over here where the world was. And now the world's moved over there a little farther. And now the church is over here grabbing the world, trying to pull the world back to the church. And we're just pulling it into the church. We're not trying to do anything different. We've lost our discernment. We've lost our judgment. We've lost our justice. And when we do that, we'll not know the way of peace. Why? Because our ways are getting crooked in the church. We're allowing the things of the world to overtake us. The Bible says in Amos chapter 5 and verse 14 and 15, it says this, Seek good and not evil, that ye may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, shall be with you as ye have spoken. Hate the evil. Say that with me. Hate the evil. Say it one more time. Hate the evil. Love the good and establish judgment in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious unto the remnant of Joseph. How can you hate evil and love the good if you refuse to judge, you can't. Matter of fact, if you refuse to judge, I believe you're, you're in sin against God. Because God tells us that unless we judge, we cannot know the difference between the good and the evil. In the book of Ezekiel, now I'm going to turn back there. You don't have to. You ought to write this, you ought to write this down. 
But in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 44, verse 23 and 24, the Bible says this, And they shall teach my people the difference between the holy and profane, and cause them to discern between the unclean and the clean. And in controversy, they shall stand in judgment, and they shall judge it according to thy judgments. And they shall keep my laws and my statutes in, my, in all mine assemblies, and they shall hallow my Sabbaths. God says we're supposed to teach the people the difference between the holy and profane. Cause them to discern uh, between uh, the, the unclean and the clean. And God says, and in controversy. Let me tell you something. If you're going to judge between the holy and the profane, if you're going to discern between the clean and the unclean, you're not going to be able to do it without a little bit of controversy. Hello? Huh? There's going to be some controversy. And if you're not causing any controversy by picking, by discerning between the clean and the unclean, if you're not causing any controversy between, by judging between the holy and the profane, then evidently you're not using God's Word. You're not judging righteous. I know I said this in Sunday school, but I'm going to use it in just a little different way. But I get so tired of some of these stinking preachers. These weak-kneed, yellow-bellied, crawfish, backboned preachers that say they're men of God, say they believe the Word of God, and they stand up and try to teach their people how to contend for the faith without being contentious. Where did we get that word contentious? It comes from the same root word as contend. If you're going to contend for the faith, you're going to get contentious with some people. Because people don't like it when you contend for the faith. And I plan on contending for the faith. Amen. There's going to be controversy. There's going to be contention. And if you're not causing contention, you're not contending for the faith. I don't get too worried about these so-called Baptist preachers that want to get after us about causing a little controversy. Because they ain't standing for the faith anymore. I don't get too worried about these preachers that say, well, you're just too contentious. Well, why don't you get up and join the crowd? Amen! They need to learn how to judge. But every pastor ought to be teaching his people how to judge to know good and evil. Let me pray and then we'll get into the message. You thought I was already there, didn't you? Oh, we're just getting started. So far, the faces are friendly, so we're just going to preach. And whenever you get to looking ugly, I'll just watch her because she likes my preaching. She just told me so a little bit ago. She said, oh, you always do fine. Let me pray and we'll get into the message this morning. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, God, that You'd help us. You know I can't stand here without Your help. Father, You know my weakness today. But I know in my weakness your strength is made perfect. Father, we plead the precious blood of Jesus over this service. And we bind Satan, Father, that he has no effectual working in this place. God, we ask that hearts be tuned intentively and that ears would hearken to the Word of God. Lord, we ask that we honor and glorify You with all that's said and done. We ask it in Jesus' precious name for His sake and for Your glory. And amen. amen. So God tells us that we ought to judge. 
God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, we're to be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Why would God make that statement if judging is wrong? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15, God says, But he that is spiritual judge all things, yet he himself is judged of no men. Judging is not a sin. Judging ought to be a characteristic of a spiritual believer. Judging ought to be a characteristic of a spiritual believer. Satan has been lying to us for so long that believers today have taken that in hook, line, and sinker. You know, even today, uh, church people, believers, I'm talking about believers, they call themselves Christians, they're not, but they're believers anyway. But they want to use just this one verse, Matthew chapter 7. Satan's favorite verse out of the whole Bible. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1. And of course they only know just the first two words out of it. Judge not! They don't care what the, what the context is talking about. They don't care about none of that. All they care about is them first two little words. Judge not. Why? Because Satan has them hoodwinked. And boy, they it, 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 listen. It pleases Satan every time a believer. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I've seen I, I've seen a, a uh, picture of somebody uh, taking Matthew chapter seven, leaving Judge not up there and marking out everything else all the way behind him. I'm just uh, listen. Satan is pleased when we real when we do not know the Word of God. Satan's pleased by it. Why? Because he knows it. I dare say he knows it better than most believers. I'm getting quiet. Don't go getting quiet on me. You ought to know this book better than Satan does. Why? Listen. Satan has two devices to destroy to destroy believers. Number one is to kill them off. But he knows that doesn't work, but every time he kills off a bunch of them, more of them get saved. Amen. His second device is to cause confusion in the Word of God. That's why we've got to know that Word of God. Because Satan wants to take the word, very Word of God and try to confuse you with it. He tried to confuse the Lord Jesus Christ with it. Do you think He's not going to try it on you? You're not better than the Lord is. Somebody help me. Someone says, well, but, 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 preacher, do you mean we're supposed to judge people? Well, what are you going to judge... Judge the animals for. Huh? I mean, I mean, a dog does what a dog does. Right? A bird does what a bird does. bird likes to fly over your car and poop all over it. Aren't you glad you don't fly? Amen. <laughs> What are we going to judge them for? For being an animal? They do what they do. So yes, we're supposed to judge people. Dare any of you having a matter... Listen, listen to what God tells the, the, the church at Corinthian for not judging. He says, Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust and, and not before the saints? Do ye not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge in the smallest matters? Know ye not that ye shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? 
If then ye have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak this to your shame. Is it so that there is not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. Listen. God just chastised this baby Christian church there at Corinth, who was a carnal church, by the way. But God's reprimanding them because they're not judging. And if judging is so wrong, then God needs to repent of His Word and set things straight. Huh? If judging's wrong. If judging people is wrong, i got to flip the page here. If judging people is wrong, how are we going to be able to obey Romans chapter 16? Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. How are you going to know to do that unless, you're, unless you judge? You make a judgment call, Right? For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Well, today let's just liken that to Joe Osteen, John Piper, Bill Hybels. Years ago, years ago when I was pastoring a little church in uh, Pearson, Indiana, I called old, uh, Bill Hybels out. I said, it's not going to be long. They're going to have one of them big old uh, signs out in front of their church like you see on the, on the uh, uh, movie house theaters with the flashing lights and all that stuff out there telling you what kind of play they're putting on on their, on their front porch sittings. You know what they got today? They've got a beer room. So the pastors can go in there and have a beer with the good old boys. That's ungodly as the devil. I said that's ungodly as the devil. Y'all better get in on this. Huh? That's ungodly as the devil. Having beer rooms inside the church house. So the preacher can have beer with the good old boys. Make them feel welcome. And then, of course, you got Rick Warren with all his antics out there at the Brokeback Mountain Church. Well, a couple of you got it. <laughs> but how are we going to be able to obey if we're not to judge? Second Corinthians chapter 6, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will receive you, and will be a father unto you. And ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. How are we going to obey that if we don't know to judge? How are we going to know what's unclean if we're supposed to come out of it? And how are we going to know to come out of it if we don't judge? How are we going to be able to obey 2 Timothy chapter 3? This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without... How are we going to know all that unless we're able to judge? Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. This Antifa crowd just gives a man a lot of preaching material, you know. They really do. I watched another video clip. Uh, there was a street preacher out preaching across the street, and they was uh, the Antifa crowd was over protesting something on the other side. Well, this Antifa guy, of course you know they're all covered, got their faces all covered up while you see their eyeballs and stuff. Uh, those are terrorists, by the way. Uh, those are terrorists, by the way. Those are terrorists, by the way. And they was over there protesting something on the other side, and this other guy got focused on this street preacher. And all of a sudden, he got it. 
And he got focused on that street preacher. And he was headed over there. He was going to get into that street preacher. He got so focused, he cross started crossing that street. Wham! Got hit by a truck. Listen, if we can't judge, then how are we going to be able uh, to obey 1 John chapter 4? Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. You know what you've got to do? If you're going to try the spirits, you know what you've got to do? You've got to judge. If you're going to try the spirits, you're going to have to judge. But he says, uh, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know we the, ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. How are we going to know unless we make the judgment on that? You're going to have to be able to judge to know good and evil. If the Bible is clear about anything... The Bible is clear about the importance of judging on a regular basis in order to properly serve and honor God. Revelation chapter 2, verse 2 says this, I know thy works and thy labors. matter of fact, he's talking to the church at Ephesus. Now, I'm going to run just a little bit of a rabbit trail. I don't think I probably need to. I think you folks are all with me on this. But this was an actual church. It's not some stupid dispensational showing of uh, huh? some, some yeah. I've been teaching that for 35 years. I never did get into that dispensational stuff. It's always been by grace. Amen. There, there, listen, there is no such thing as a church age. There, is, there was the, old, the, the church in the Old Testament. The church in the wilderness. The church is not something new. So I don't fall into that dispensational nonsense. I just found the right crowd to get into. <laughs> Finally, where I can voice it, amen. But he says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars. Uh, why would the Lord be pleased with these, with these believers? If we weren't supposed to judge, why would the Lord make these statement about this church at Ephesus? If it's wrong to judge, how would they know that they were not apostles if they were not allowed to judge? So I think the the Bible's very clear about uh, judging. You hear this little cliche all the time. I love picking on cliches because they're so easily destroyed by the Word of God. But I love picking on cliches. Well, now, Brother Hart, you know you can't judge a book by its cover. You know what my book, this book says right here? You know what it says right there? It says Holy Bible. You know what I expect to find inside that? God's Holy Word. Well, I can judge this book by its cover. I don't think they have them so much anymore, but they used to have the book stands up by the checkout counters. Maybe they still do. I don't know. But they used to have these books in the uh, these book racks by the checkout counters in the stores, and you could walk by those things, and you didn't have to pick the book up. All you had to do was look on the cover of the book, and you see this scantily clad man and woman on the on the cover of that book. You kind of have an idea of what the book's about, don't you? I think you can judge a book by its cover. 
You know what I'm saying? Well, the Pharisees tried that with the Lord Jesus Christ. He healed a man on the Sabbath. And, of course, He told them about Moses circumcising. They're keeping the law of circumcision, Moses' law. He says that that's all right, but it's not okay for a man to heal on the Sabbath. And here's what they, uh, here's what, here's what they said. They said, judge, and Jesus told them, He said, judge not according to the appearance. Now, I realize you can take a look at that and you can probably try to make a case for don't judge a book by its cover. If you don't understand the entire context of it. What they're actually, and Jesus said, but judge righteous judgment. Here's what took place. They actually was seeing Jesus as a lawbreaker because He healed a man on the Sabbath. But Jesus is the Master of the Sabbath. He wasn't a lawbreaker. Good night. We know He's the healer. He didn't make the Sabbath uh, for man, but He made the man for Sabbath. Amen? Did I say that right? I didn't say that right, did I? It's the other way around. Good. All right. Just reverse that tape. When you come to that part, just reverse it. I'm not going to try to say it again. So we need to judge with righteous judgment. And when we judge with righteous judgment, I want you to, I want you to be very careful to stop and think about where you came from. Huh? You need to be careful about where you came from. Hey, if you're going to get after somebody about spitting tobacco, about chewing spitting tobacco, I never chewed any of that. I chewed swallow in the back. I didn't spit mine out. I was man up. That's why my wife says, that's why your stomach's so messed up today. You never spit that out. Listen, I wasn't always serving the Lord, okay? But if you're going to get after somebody about spitting tobacco, make sure you ain't still chewing it. Hello? If you're going to get after somebody about smoking cigarettes, make sure you ain't doing it. If you're going to get after something, you babies got to be careful about that spitting tobacco stuff. Looks awful out in public. Got that tobacco juice running down inside your cheeks. Looks fine. But if you're going to get after somebody about drinking alcohol, make sure you ain't drinking. If you're going to get after somebody about going to the body houses, make sure you ain't going. Hello? Huh? Make sure that you're not a castaway, Paul said. You preach like that at home? Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's just the way I preach at home. I don't preach any different anywhere else. Don't forget where you came from. Ezekiel chapter 36, 31 says this, Then shall ye remember your own evil ways and your own doings that were not good, and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. Let's remember where we came from. When you judge, you need to be prepared for those hypocrites and the liars to judge you and say, judge not. And claim to know God and His Word. Boy, they're they going to they cause, cause some controversy with you. There's going to be some contention when you, when you do some righteous judging. Matter of fact, here's what prompted this message. Here a few months ago. Well, this, uh, I called a duck a duck. You know, if you see uh, you see something wallowing down the down the road and has wet wet feet and has feathers all over it and has a beak on it and goes quack quack and you take a look at it, what do you suppose it is? Duck. 
This is up. Uh, I didn't have to cut the chest open, pull the tart out, take a look at the tart. Oh yeah, that's not. <laughs> no, I can take them, take a look at it. They had whip feet, a beak, had feathers all over, went quack quack. I called it a duck. Well, this is what I done. I called the duck a duck, and boy, did it stir the stuff up. Somebody, I hate to say it's a male, but he was of the male gender. But who knows? <laughs> what do they say? There's 67 different genders now, they say. <laughs> well, isn't that pathetic? Huh? But anyway, I seen this video that this person put on social media. It was a pretty heavy set fella. I guess he was a fella. Maybe he was a fela, I don't know. But anyway, he was had a pair of those uh, uh, what do you call them, real tight stretchy things. Uh, yoga pants. God help they ain't no man ought to wear a pair of them. I don't care where they're at. They ain't no man ought to wear a pair of them. Nowhere. By the way, ladies, you ought not to be wearing them out in public either. Hello? Huh? Those things aren't made to be wearing out in public. Matter of fact, they shouldn't be wearing anywhere. I know that wasn't good English. I don't care. Just don't wear them. Looks like two Brahma bulls in a tote sack trying to get out. Just ought not to be happening. They posted this guy. Had on those yoga pant things and had on a leotard top or whatever they call those things and a pair of six-inch stiletto spikes. And I must say, he probably wore those stilettos better than most women do because he didn't falter or shake one time while he was wearing those things. And you could not watch this, whatever he was. Well, anyway, I called we, we used to, you can't say it anymore, but we used to, we, we used to say, well, they called a spade a spade. We well, can't say that anymore. We call the spade a spade. Uh, any of you ever play euchre? Huh? Now listen, I'm, I'm not advocating playing cards, okay? But if you play euchre, we used to play euchre. There is a terminology called reneging. That means you didn't follow suit. You lay the opposite uh, suit rather than what was played. That's called reneging. Well, my my mama can't say reneging. <laughs> Follow me now. Go like We have a grandson-in-law that is black. My mama cannot say reneging. She always said nigger. <laughs> they were playing euchre at our daughter's house. And the grandson-in-law was sitting in there, and somebody reneged. And my mama said, you nigger. And the son-in-law said, he never heard that term before. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, boy, this is going to be on the air, isn't it? I called a duck a duck. I 
called a spade a spade. I said, what's this fat faggot doing on the doing this on social media for? Controversy. <laughs> Contention. Over thirty thousand hits on that thing. <laughs> And all and listen, they may pat you on the back for the first three, four years you're there. They may have loved you while you was their neighbor. But I'm telling you, when you judge in righteous judgment and you bring out the word of God, there's going to be controversy, there's going to be contention, and I'm telling you. The judgment came and you tried to say, but you're judging me. No, we're not. We're not. I said, well, I don't know what you call it now. You try to set and explain the Word of God to them. Now, I'll tell you, listen, there was one young lady who had just posted uh, not too long ago uh, before, not not too far prior to that, that uh, some of the young ladies in, in our area down there are just like dogs, just breeding and carrying on. And she just lost a baby, not able to have one. And boy, she was reprimanding them about acting like dogs and just breeding and having kids and then not wanting to take care of them, not caring for them. And I thought, that's judging. That's judging. Boy, they got all upset. Because, and listen, the fat thing really didn't have anything to do with it. It was the faggot part. That's just what we used to call them back in my day. Huh? Call them queers, faggots. That's what we called them back in my day. Like I said, I ain't changing. I don't care how they want to smooth it over. I ain't changing. By the way, they are born that way. Somebody say amen. amen. They, ain't, they ain't born that way. I just thought I'd get that off my chest too. <laughs> Here's the reason. That's the thing that prompted this whole message. Because nobody knows how to judge anymore. Nobody has a discernment anymore about right and wrong. Here's, here's all they could say was, well, they're just no different than we are. Yes, they are! They're a lot different than I am. And we can find all the problems right out of the Word of God. What's, what's, look what it says in, in Psalm 52, 3. Thou lovest evil more than good, and lying rather than to speak righteousness. Psalm 38. They also that render evil for good are mine adversaries, because I follow the thing that is good. They re, Psalm 35. They rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. Psalm 109, they compassed me about also with words of hatred and fought against me without a cause for my love. They are my adversaries, but I give myself unto prayer. Some of the neighbors that got in on that, and they did, they live right next to the church. And I told you in Sunday school class, there's not a neighbor there that we had not helped. When the one young lady lost her baby, wife fixed meals for him. We took meals over to him. The one neighbor mowed boat down. We, I, I would go over and mow their yards for him. We would give the one neighbor money all the time to help him make it. We can't hardly keep the lights on at the church. Matter of fact, we just got our disconnect notice uh, Friday. We can't hardly keep the lights on, but when the neighbors are in need, I try to fulfill that need by them. God meets our needs. 
try to help as much as I can. And you know what I did that next Sunday morning with all the neighbors that had turned my love to hatred, their hatred for me? The Bible says I went to prayer. You know what I did? A little before 5 o'clock that next Sunday morning, I walked out of my study, walked out to the road, and I started walking up and down the road, and I started praying for my neighbors. Asking God to meet their needs. Asking God to turn their hearts. Asking God to help them. Do you know Friday afternoon, one young gal came across the street to help us put that piano up in the house. Had to talk to me since. I mean, she wouldn't wave at me or nothing. She wouldn't look at me if I was outside. But she came across the street and stood out there and talked to me for how long? Listen. If you've been praying for your neighbors and they turn against you, don't you stop praying. You hear me? If they turn against you and you've been praying for them, don't you quit praying. You keep praying, God will touch their hearts. God will turn their hearts. If He doesn't, then guess what? God's going to give them over. There's going to come a point in time that if they keep rejecting God, this young gal confessed to me, because I had given her the gospel, given her the gospel, given her the gospel, and she confessed to me their pride as she said, uh, Pastor Hart, I really didn't, I guess I just really didn't believe in God. But when I lost that baby, I know I needed God. So you pray for her. I'm not going to give you her name. It's not important. God knows who it is. But you pray for her. That next time I share the gospel with her, she'll get saved. Her and her husband both. They're just a young couple. But don't you quit praying for him. If God gives him over, that's his business, not yours. And if God's given him over, you'll know it. If you try to witness to him, you will know it. I'm not going to get into all that this morning. But I want you to hear what it says in... In Proverbs chapter 17, Whoso regardeth evil for good, evil shall not depart from his house. Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil, that put darkness for light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Matthew, there, I've got so many, so many scriptures here. Let me, let me, let me just get to, Uh, I like to hit in Romans 13, but I'm not going to get to that. By the way, Romans 13 is not about government. It's about about uh, your pastors, leaders. Romans chapter 1, you all know what that says, but I'm going to read it for you again this morning just to refresh your memory. Why? Because a good, a good, a good preacher will help you draw to, uh, draw to your memory all things. Romans chapter 1. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, uh, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. I use this verse a lot. We have a mayor in South Bend, Indiana, who is a sodomite, who actually kissed his husband on the platform the night that they elected him as mayor. And I'm not going to tell you his name because his last name actually fits him real good being he's a sodomite. But I am I, not bashful at all about using this verse on him. 
and I send it to the news stations, if they post something about this wicked sodomite rascal, I'll put this verse on there, and I've not got booted out yet. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Even those that have pleasure in those that are doing those are worthy of death as well. I'm not bashful about using it at all. Our preachers, our pastors, need to start teaching our people to judge, to know good and evil. Boy, if we don't, they're soon going to send their wolves right into... Listen, by the way, the church is not for the unsaved. I just I want to set the record straight on that. The church is not for the unsaved. Jesus didn't start the church for the unsaved people. He started it for the saved. Amen. But if we don't teach our people to judge between the good and the evil then folks, they're going to send their wolves right in here and they're going to take over our churches. They're going to take over our children. And if our pastors are not protecting the flocks, then who's going to? It's the pastor's duty. Part of the pastor's name is the shepherd. The shepherd's supposed to carry the rod and the staff. And that rod is protect the sheep. And that rod is also for correction of the sheep. And that staff is to grab them and to pull them out of the thickets and out of the danger and to bring them back into the fold. The shepherd ought to be doing his job. And if the shepherd ain't doing his job, he's nothing more than a hireling. Get rid of him! I think I know your pastor well enough that you don't have to worry about that here. Amen. I'm glad of that. I'm glad to see these young men coming along that's taking a stand, doing the job as a shepherd and of a pastor, an overseer, doing what they're supposed to be doing and preaching the Word of God. God help us. We've got to be teaching our people to judge, to know good and evil. Let's stand to our feet this morning.